to our attention today. One is Proverbs 23 and 7 that reveals this truth. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, Matthew 12 and 34, Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's kind of a three-way. It's the mind thinking, it's the heart absorbing, and the mouth speaking. So what you think about is going to be in your heart, and what's in your heart is what you're going to talk about. I always love to start my messages with some bit of humor, and this morning I had, I had no funny story, I had no joke, I had no humor, but doing what I do every morning, checking Facebook, a story was provided me that I want to share with you. It was a local pastor that was having some serious problems with his teeth, so he went to the dentist. The dentist pulled all of his teeth and put dentures in his mouth. So he went to the pulpit Sunday, and he preached eight minutes. The next week, he went back to the pulpit, and he preached 12 minutes. The third Sunday, he went back to the pulpit and preached one hour and 45 minutes. And all the, the congregation wanted to know, the staff wanted to know, what in the world happened between week one, week two, and week three? He said, well, week one, my gums were so sore, I could only preach eight minutes. And then the second week, my gums were a little better, but I could only preach 12 minutes. But this morning, I accidentally put my wife's teeth in my mouth, and I couldn't shut up. <laughs> now, I want to honor I want to honor Pastor Rhonda because she's not that particular wife, so I want to redeem myself. But talking a little bit about the uh, talking a little bit about the power of words. The past few weeks and in First Samuel 17 has been kind of our launching pad the last three or four weeks, and we've looked at a very popular, if not one of the most popular stories in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath is probably one of the most uh, incredible, most popular in the secular world. Everybody knows what David and Goliath, they know what that means. But the people of God were being harassed by an entity that was blaspheming God, that was blaspheming the nation. And the, the giant would come and stand on a hill, you know the story, and he would shout obscenities and taunts and threats and uh, the, the outcome of that battle would determine the entire war because that's how they fought battles. They sent their best forward, and they were settled right there in one, in one skirmish. And there was no one to fight the Goliath. The king who stood head and shoulders above everybody else was intimidated and would not go to war and was frightened. And a prize, a dowry, was, uh, was instilled that whoever killed Goliath would get wealth and riches. He would marry the king's daughter and that his family would be exempt from property tax, income tax, the rest of their life. And so it was a nice booty, and, uh, but nobody came forward because they were intimidated by the Goliath in their life. And I wonder how many times in life we get intimidated by the Goliaths that try to roar against us, not realizing that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's easy sometimes to be intimidated but God has not given us the spirit of, of timidity or intimidation, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And when you're thinking right, you're speaking right, you're working right, and things are in order. But when you're thinking you're going to be defeated, and when you're thinking that you cannot overcome, you're defeated before you even go to battle. 
that 80% of an addict's cure is the acknowledgement of I'm an addict. When you acknowledge where you're at in life and you get around people that can help you, you, you begin to grow and become to, to be what God calls you to be and do what God has called you to do. And if you'll look through some of the greatest ministries in ministry today, many of those ministries began with a, a, a crutch. Many of them began with a, a delivery from addiction or, or something miserable in their life. They didn't just overnight touch the world, but they went through stuff. I saw this yesterday on Facebook, and you've heard us say it, everybody said, allow your test to be turned into a testimony that you overcome that those things that are coming against you. And if you're in an area where things aren't coming against you, you're not intimidating the enemy. If you're at a place where you feel just numb and fine and everything's peachy cream and hunky-dory, whatever that means, then probably you're not where God wants you to be because Jesus said, In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So whatever tribulation can come your way, whatever trial, whatever snag can come your way, it's already been paid for. We sang this morning by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And when you step in that place that God has called you to step into and you begin to declare your testimony, the favor and the blessings of the Lord, that's when God begins to move in you, through you, to you, and it's usually to bless somebody else. Isn't that amazing how God does that? He blesses me so I can bless somebody else. And when you have that testimony, there's not a whole lot that's going to be thrown your way that you can't handle. The reason being is on the mental, the mental piece of your life, there is, the, there is the skeleton of a lion or there's a face of a lion and there's a head of a bear and those represent the battles that you have won. Those represent the victories that you've overcome. And if you've, if you've lived through a divorce and overcome, if you've lived through drug addiction and overcome, if you've lived through pride and overcome, those trophies are, are on the mental, play, mental piece of your life, and it gives you strength to do everything God's called you to do. And when David viewed the enemy and began to line it up with the battles he'd already overcome, he said, I've already defeated a lion. I've already defeated a bear. And that giant is shouting out obscenities at God's people. I'm going to take on the Goliath. And you know the story. They tr those that couldn't win the battle tried to put their armor on David. And David said, no, I can't do it your way. I've got to do it my way. Don't be like Elvis and do it your way, but be like the disciples. You do it your way according to the power and the strength that's in you that God has given you, the favor that God has given you. So when you look back and realize I am not just a warrior princess or a warrior, I am an overcomer. I have defeated the enemy on multiple occasions, and I'm ready to go right back and do it again. Don't get too bold in that because if you get too, it's like praying for patience. Don't pray for patience because you'll go through storms and hells and nightmare. And you say, what's going on, God? And God said, well, you said you want a patience, so I'm teaching you how to have patience. I don't want patience. I want to be like Josh, out that door. Hello. I want to be on the cutting edge. I want to be type A personality. I don't want to learn things the hard way. I just want to learn from someone else's mistakes. And maybe I'll be, hello, maybe you're just a mistake in somebody else's life that they're learning from your mistakes. And so be it, kudos to you. That's not where I want to go. That's not where I want to be. But I have learned in life and I've learned in ministry that there is power in your words, that your words have the ability to produce or negate. 
Deuteronomy says death and life. And notice, if you will, the negative was presented before the positive because we, are a we have a tendency to see the glass half empty before we see the glass half full. You can watch Fox News for a month and hear all the terror, all the junk, all the stupid things, all the, all the negatives against our president and the negatives against, and you can watch it for a month, and then maybe they'll throw in some little where somebody did something for somebody else and they were honoring that. So we are a generation that has a ten tendency to be negative before we are positive. And the, the first things we usually say to our babies is no. Did you notice that? It's not yes, it's usually no. No, you can't do that. No, you can't be the. No, you can't. No, 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 no. The promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. It's a positive battle. It's a positive trail. I had the privilege several years ago of going to Seoul, Korea. And at that particular time, I had no degree. I had no, I had no higher education other than two years of law. But I was part of a team that congratulated about four young men that had earned their doctorates. And they, we were presenting doctorates to them, theological doctorates out of Fuller Seminary. We were representing them. And uh, I remember one of the doctors in giving his uh, acceptance speech, he was talking about America and talking about Americans. And he said, you Americans read your Bible from left to right, from left to right. And you read your Bible like this. But he said, here in Korea, we read our Bible up, down, up, down. And so he's saying, in America, everything is no, 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 no. But here in Korea, everything is yes, yes, yes. Well, I wanted to slap him. I mean, hello, you're, you're making fun of How dare you make fun of America? We saved you from North Korea. Hello. Anyway, I didn't go there, but the feeling was there. But the promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. And last week... We talked about the power, and I wrote it down, the power of positive prophetic confession. The power of positive prophetic confession. I went through the Bible, and I found that the word tongue is used in the Bible over 70 times. The word mouth is used in the Bible over 300 times. In Luke 17, Jesus said, I will, op I will give you a mouth and wisdom. So God has things for us to say, and God has things for us to declare. But if we're not careful, we will be a generation that declares what we want to say, what we want to think, what we think is important, with absolutely no knowledge or no acceptance that God knows what's going on, and he knows how to put words in your mouth. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they received other tongues. The Bible says, or Jesus said, take no thought of what you're going to say because when the opportunity comes, I will feel, the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth with things to say. But we live in such a negative generation that we actually have more faith in Burger King than we do in the Word. Think about that for a minute. Burger King, you can have it your way. And you pull up to the speaker. And you tell the guy that you want it with us and seven and you want and you want no tomato and you want a large and the guy comes back and says you want it with a and you want and you want a large yeah that's what we want we have more confidence in that little box than we do sometimes in the power of prayer and the power of positive confession I'm preaching good this morning and it's only ten till twelve hello two points that I want to make prophetically. Jesus probably spoke the greatest prophetic statement ever known to man before the cross. John 3, 16, help me. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was all prophetic. Calvary had not happened, but Jesus took upon himself that prophetically that he was going to operate in the purpose and plan that God had for his life. So we've learned you have the ability to speak prophetically, positively to the events in your life and expect them to produce good stuff. Hello. Do I have a friend in the house? You have the ability to do that. And the proof, the proof was when David stood before Goliath, it says this. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day I will take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field that all the world may know that there is a God in Israel. He prophetically spoke to his problem and he prophetically spoke a positive and said, listen, sucker, you're going down in the name of Jesus. You have stayed in my life long enough. You've hindered me long enough. You've degraded me long enough. You've frustrated me long enough. You've disqualified me long enough. It's time now for me to arise and roar and let the words of the Lord come through and say, I'm done. I'm going to what God has for me. I'm not going to be like Josh said, I'm not going to be chained. I'm not going to be bound. But he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And all of a sudden you realize that there is authority in your words. I have come to live the life of Sidlow Baxter's testimony. He was a famous uh, theologian in, in, in years past. And here's a statement he made. He said, rarely do I pray an hour a day. But never does an hour go by that I'm not praying. Rarely do I pray. And, Gene, that's where I find myself right now. I find myself every hour focused somehow on the things of God or the plan of God or the purpose of God or the steps that God has, has ordered for me and orchestrated and ordained for me. And, Barbara, that's where, I, that's where I'm at. I want to keep my thoughts on the things of God. I don't know where I saw this, but I saw it say... If you are careful with the things you think, you won't have to be careful with the words you say. If you are careful with the things you think, then you won't have to be careful with the things you say. And when you think about that, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what are you thinking? What are you declaring in your spirit? What are you declaring in your life? What is the list of things that you've written down that you would like to see you and God accomplish before 2018? What are the, what are the goals? What are the, what's the pattern? What's, what, what are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to become? And when you look at the plan that God has for you, according to Jeremiah 29, it's a good plan, a plan to prosper you and a plan to bless you. But what are you doing with your words? Are you planting good things in good soil to grow good things? Or are you planting negative things in negative soil to grow negative things? And Pastor Todd's going to help me. Most of you, if you've ever been to my house, um, I have the nicest yard on the block. I'm not bragging. It's, you can drive down my street. I have the nicest, I have the nicest landscape yard on the block, and several years ago, I say I, but I didn't do it. I delegated to teenagers. I had them dig up all of the grass in my backyard, every bit of grass, 
and I put up a nice split rail fence, and then I brought in some nice river gravel, the nice-looking river gravel. I don't know if it will stand by itself. or Yeah, there it will. Thank you, Pastor Todd. And then I began to plant perennials. I have no use for annuals. They don't come back. It's kind of a worthless investment. But if you invest in a calla lily or you invest in, a, in an iris next year, it's going to come back double. That's just the way that God rolls. You plant one year, then the next year you get double for your trouble. Well, I've several years, I've just begun to allow things to grow that want to grow. And not once or twice, but on three times in the past three years have I taken a leaf or a plant to, to my landscaper friend there at Bryant's Nursery, and I've asked him, what is this? And all three times he said, it's a weed. I said, well, I've got them eight foot tall growing in my, he said, well, you're, you're growing weeds. But I have learned without exception, and you can't see it from here, but even a weed will, will birth a flower if you leave it alone long enough. The negative things in your life, you start watering them and fertilizing them and doing the right thing, you can turn that negative into a positive. I did not plant this. I don't know how it wound up. I don't really, that's a tacky-looking container, so it's not something that I would have thought about planting a seed. But somehow a seed got in that container. Don't ask me how, and you can't see it from here. But, Pastor David, at the very top, there's a flower getting ready to Get ready to bloom. Now, I don't know what color it's going to be. I don't know what kind of weed this is, but it just goes to show you how powerful your words are. You can speak prophetic positive or you can speak prophetic negative. And if you begin to declare, well, I'm sick, my dad died of cancer, my grandpa died of cancer, I'm probably going to die of cancer. If you've heard words all your life, you're no good, you're never a mountain thing, you're a loser, you're, 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 you're never going to be anything in your life. If you'll allow those words to get planted in your heart, all you're going to produce is bitterness, anger, hurt, pain, and misery. The Bible calls it roots of bitterness. And we talked about digging those roots up and preparing the soil and putting good thing in the soil. Let me tell you something. You can't go wrong by investing an hour of your life on Sunday morning and planting words in the spirit, clothing him in honor, clothing him in praise, that the garments of our praise would clothe him and honor him. You can't go wrong there. You can't go wrong Wednesday night when you come and listen to testimonies and you fill in the blanks and you actually leave there better than when you came and you knew something that you didn't know when you came in. You cannot sow an hour of your life every Wednesday night and not become better. You can't go to OCI on Tuesday, Bible study on Thursday, the conferences, watching Christians. You cannot invest those hours in your life and not become a better person because the more stuff you get up here is the more stuff that's going to satiate in here, and then verbally you're going to be able to speak it. Unfortunately, there are some people, they just talk. Their words are insignificant, their lives are meaningless, but they run their mouth like a chainsaw. And I remember it was the early 70s that there was a song. I don't think it was a rock song, please don't be offended. But the song said, you talk too much, you worry me to death. You talk too much, you even worry my pet. You just talk, you talk too much. I have a CD in the lobby if you want to go. You talk about people you never see. You talk about people you make me scream. Help me. You just talk, talk too much. So, and so I, 
I don't want to pick on anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But when you walk away from a valid conversation, you should either be better or stronger or blessed or loved or something. I have, Pastor David, I have for 20 years stood at grave sites. And I've encouraged, at, not at the, at, at the cemetery, but actually at the gravesite at the cemetery. And I actually said this. If you love somebody, don't wait till you stand beside a coffin and wish you'd have said more. With Angel, with my mom, my mom went to be at the Lord day after Christmas. With Angel and my mom, I have no regrets. She was a great mom. He was a great son-in-law. I was a great son. I was a great father-in-law. I have absolutely no regrets. Did I wish I had more time? Absolutely. But do I regret the relationship I had with him? Absolutely not because we talked, and I bragged on him. And uh, if you've been around Courtney very long and Skyler even longer, you'll realize that Angel had a lot of patience. He must have prayed for patience, so God gave him Courtney, and then God blessed him with Skyler. Because she is, she is the spitting image of him. She, her mannerisms, her temper tantrums. I never saw Angel really have a temper. But Pastor David, I, I deja vu. I know exactly what you were dealing with when you raised him up. Because when he got mad, his whole body got mad and it shook and he manifested and his head spun around two or three times. And you're thinking, my God, we need an exorcism. We need. Well, listen, Skyler is no different. She could be the most most precious baby in the world, or she can look at you and that head can go around two or three times and you realize, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm going where it's safe. I'm retreat, retreating to higher ground. But that is the power of your words. What are you building? What are you, what are you planting? What are you sowing? What are you speaking into existence? Two points. When David confronted Goliath, he prophetically prophesied positive. He said, you come to me with all your armor and all your weapons. And listen, the devil can come to you with everything in his quiver. The devil can throw everything at you. He can throw financial challenge, physical illness, a, a, a hurting marriage. The, the devil can throw everything at you. But he cannot throw anything at you that your shield of faith cannot withstand, cannot withheld, and can turn it around. And what David said, David realized that there was profit to doing the right thing. Let me tell you something. There is profit today for doing the right thing, for being the right person, for helping people, for blessing people. Got a phone call yesterday, some hurricane victims. They needed a room. A family in this church provided a room for them. You can't continuously do that and not build up a repertoire that one day when you stand before God, you're going to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You were faithful over little. I'm going to make a ruler over many. And when you research Matthew 24 and you realize the little, the little thing was taking care of the widow, blessing the orphan, and touching someone in prison. And when your life can pass about that you're helping somebody else, you're blessing somebody else, you're financing somebody else, I have a, I have a friend. I'll be careful. There may come a day when he will list my podcast. We have grown very close over the past two years. He was a graduate of the school that I graduated from in 1972, and he is an atheist. And he is so smart, and he's so intellectual. And, you know, the Bible has mistakes because it was written by men. There are things that are, there's grammar that's out of order. There's things that don't, and that's because men wrote it. And he knows all the mistakes. He knows all the negatives, and he can prove his point. 
But the point that I want to prove is when I was sick, he healed me. When I, was, when I was down, he lifted me up. When I was on drugs, he set me free. When I was lost, he found me. When I was thirsty, he was my, my drink of living water. And that's my testimony, and that's what I can declare to someone that doesn't believe in God. If you could see, Melissa, where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know why I love him so. Do I have a friend in the house? David prophetically spoke to his problem, spoke to his giant, and says, you're coming down today. And today I'm going to cut. You know what I learned a long time ago? You can whack a snake and knock it out. But if you leave it alone, it'll wake up and come back and bite you again. Hello? Or you can whack a snake and knock him out. Then you can take your hatchet and you cut his head off and he will never resurrect or hurt or harm you again. I believe we need to come to a place where we say enough is enough. I'm done with this low living. I'm done with this negative. I'm done with this frustration. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm going to look for a strength. I'm going to find it and I'm going to operate in it. The second prophetic um, positive confession that I want to bring to your attention is in this text. After David had cut the head off Goliath, he was marching down the street with King Saul holding that head up. And on the sidelines, they begin to sing a new song. And the song said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. That was a prophetic song of positive confession because at that moment, David had only killed one. But David went on and took 400 men and armed them and trained them, and they destroyed armies of thousands. The prophetic word that was spoken over him came to pass. There was a king by the name of Cyrus. He was not necessarily a good king, a healthy king, a righteous king. He was a heathen king. But he got bored one night, and he started to read. He began to read the pages of the Old Testament. And there in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, he saw a passage, Barbara, that had been written 200 years earlier by Isaiah, and the passage of Scripture had his name in it, and it says Cyrus went and did mighty exploits for the Lord. Silas was not a godly king, but reading his name, reading the word, it changed his life, and he stepped up to the plate, and it became what God's word says he was and did what God's word says he will do. You've come to a place in your life where you need to know what God has to say about you. You are the apple of his eye. You are his best friend. He died for you. He gave his life for you, and he would do it again if necessary. That's how special to God you are. You're all that in a bag of chips and the dip that goes with it. Hello, and a Dr. Pepper to wash it down. You're all of that in the eyes of God. So when, the, when they declared David has killed his tens of thousands, it was a prophetic word, a positive confession. And I just made a little note here, and I'm done. I wrote down some of the things that you can positively speak over. And one of the things I wrote down is that you can positively, in confession, prophetic confession, you can prophesy over yourself. There was a song that said, hey, look me over. For, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget the names of it, but it was a great song. But it was a song that talks about this is what I have become because of what God's Word says that I am. And when you begin to operate what God's Word says you are and you begin to think on the things of God and do the things of God, you begin to declare over yourself, I am not a loser. I am not a failure. 
I'm not an outcast. I'm not a dummy. I'm not stupid. I have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ spoke the worlds into existence. I have the ability to speak things into existence. I prophesy over myself. I lay hands upon myself. I am not sick. I will not die. This cancer will not win. I will be healed. God will use doctors. God will use his blood. But I will be healed. I will be restored. I'll walk in all the favor, all the blessing God has for me. I will operate in every single one of them because I am a child of God. And with that same intensity, you can start speaking over your husband. Be careful what you say. I wouldn't say, God, he's a big fat loser. And all he does is sit on the couch and eat chicken and drink iced tea. But, God, I'm speaking something over him. There's a line on the inside of him that's about to roar. He's going to praise you. He's going to worship you. He's going to become a man after your own heart. He's going he's to walk in financial blessing. We're going to prosper. We're not going to be broke. We're not going to be poor. We're going to sow. We're going to commit in the tithe and offering. And we're going to watch God bring jobs, bring favor, bring blessing. And then you can start prophesying over your children. My children are ordained by the Lord. They're going to do great exploits for God. They're never going to do drugs. They're never going to do alcohol. They're going to be a virgin on their wedding night. They're going to marry a godly man. They're going to have godly children. They're going to make a difference in someone's life. They're going to be all that God's called them to be. Then you can start speaking over your friends. Not those you got rid of because they were hurting and harming you, but the ones that God brings into your life. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And you begin to pray for one another and build one another up. As Josh said, Paul and Silas prayed together. They praised, they worshiped, and the chains fell off. You can be very instrumental in the life of your best friend who's struggling with drugs, struggling with tobacco, struggling with alcohol. And you can be that positive voice that says, you can do this. We will do it together. You can do this. As a little kid, there was a program called Sheriff John. It was in black and white. It was a kid's program. In every segment, they had a story of the little red engine and the story of that someone had contributed a bunch of toys to a village of children that were over the mountain. And there was no, there was no train that could pull the toys over the mountain. Nobody would try Everybody gave up. But there was a little red engine that says, hook me up to those toys. Those kids need those toys. Those toys are for those kids. And so I'm going to get those toys to those kids. And so they would show this little red engine with the, with the boxes of toys. And he's going up this grade. He's going up this big hill before he gets into the village. And as he goes up this, tra this trail, he goes up this track. He's saying, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then he gets to the top, and he goes down like this, and he says, I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. What are you thinking? What are you purposing? What are your goals? What do you want to be in Christ Jesus? I want to be all God wants me to be and walk in every promise and operate every blessing that God has for me. And then lastly, you can pray for your enemy. Not that God would kill them. Not that God would hurt or harm them, but that they would be allowed to see the love of God, the favor of God, and blessings of God, and all that you walk in, that one day they could walk in, and one day you could lay down your differences, and you could have a new friend that you can grow together and be what God has called you to be. I saw this morning on Facebook 15 uh, actors and actresses that hated each other. 
Uh, they were married couples in sitcoms like The Brady Bunch and Leave It to Beaver. But anyway, it was just, it was just, it was just showing things that uh, people that they, that they hated, they worked with and hated. There might be people in your life that tried their best to drain you and hurt you and wound you. But when you put coals of fire in their lap and you begin to pray for their good and you pray it non-compromise, even if they get promoted above you, you cannot bring someone out of the pit into the mountain and not hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You use the tools I gave you. You use the abilities and talents I gave you. You turned it around for someone else. If every head is bowed just for a moment, every eye that is closed, I just want to agree that this morning the, the worship, the word, the testimony, the song would all be for the glory of God. That no ministries would be built up, that no, no human would be exalted. It's all about him. And without him, we could do nothing. Without him, we would surely fail. Without him, we would be drifting like a ship without a sail. But today, because of him, we're not drifting. Because today, we are of him, we are loved and we are favored and we are blessed. And there's a lot of promises, Lord, that you have for us that we're not walking in. There's a lot of truths that's not yet been revealed to us. We've been overwhelmed by our finances. We've been overwhelmed by financial challenges. We've been overwhelmed by an unhealthy relationship, an unhealthy marriage, an unhealthy job situation. But, Lord, we're not going to look to that negative anymore. It's there. The negative is there. But we're not going to look to that anymore. We're going to begin to speak to the dead things in our life. And we're going to begin to speak to the dormant things in our life. And we are going to let our mind be stayed upon you. And we're going to start thinking right thoughts and right things and right words. And we're going to see what your word has to say about us. And we're going to ponder those thoughts. And we're going to think of those thoughts. And the same mind that was in Christ Jesus is going to be in us. And we're going to develop that mindset. We're going to develop that maturity. And then we're going to begin to speak the things that you declare over us. The things of the future. The blessings of the things of favor. The things of blessings. In Jesus' name we agree. And you all said... I did come up with my own quote yesterday. What happened to my music? I love that music. If you are content with your past, you will probably never be secure about your future. If you are content about your past, and you still live there, 